Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. On this week edition of the Pigpen Podcast, the Redskins make a big splash in free agency with the signing of Landon Collins. Plus, they added on Case Keenum in a trade that took place last week. We're going to break down both of those moves and take a look at where the Redskins could go in the coming days and look at some of the players that we have lost to other teams in free agency. Roll music. This is the Pigpen Podcast. I am your host, Denton Day, at Denton underscore Day on Twitter, talking all of the moves that the Redskins have made in free agency as of about noon on a Wednesday. That's important to uh, to keep in mind just in case something crazy happens at like 7 p.m. tonight. I recorded this much uh, before then. So we're going to talk a little bit about some of the moves. If this is your first time listening to the Pigpen podcast on the Hogs Haven podcast feed, be sure to subscribe to the feed, go over and join the website, become a member, get involved in the Redskins community. We got a lot of great stuff going on on the website. You can follow me on Twitter at den underscore day. Connect with me there. Talk to me about the show. Uh, talk to me about just other things in the NFL as well. Big NFL guys who so talk to me throughout the entire week, even when I'm not doing the podcast. If you had any questions, you can send them over uh, on Twitter as well, at Den underscore day. So we're going to start with the big news for the Redskins. Uh, um, that is going to be the Landon Collins signing. They did just release two guys before I hit the record button here. So Stacy McGee and Zach Brown no longer part of the team. We will discuss the, the Zach Brown release, probably more than the Stacey McGee. Stacey McGee is a fine player, but Zach Brown, that's something that we need to discuss a little bit, so we will get to that as well. But we're going to start with Landon Collins because that is the big splash. The Redskins shelled out a whole lot of money, but the way they designed the contract – was a win. Uh, I mean, we don't say that the Redskins front office does a whole lot of winning, but the way that they designed the Landon Collins contract was a win. Six years, $84 million for Landon Collins. I did this uh, this thing last week where, one, I just want everyone to know, despite the fact that I said I would take C.J. Mosley over Landon Collins, I am very much a fan of this Landon Collins signing. I just need to put that out there. Uh, just in case anyone listened to last week and thought I was going to come on here and, and, and lambast the Redskins for signing Landon Collins, that is not the case. I am very much a fan of Landon Collins. I just really like C.J. Mosley as well. But I think I learned the hard way. I'm not using this little Spotrack uh, market value tool anymore. Landon Collins got a much higher value from the Redskins than the, the market value that I described he was going to get last week. And C.J. Mosley literally almost doubled his market value. So we are done with that. I learned the hard way. You're not going to hear any more market value from Spotrack for me. Still a great contract website. Their market value tool just needs to be reworked at least a little bit. So Landon Collins signs for six years, $84 million. The first year, so this year, is a $4 million cap hit. That's genius level working right there from the Redskins front office. We don't give them 
a whole lot of credit. We're still all aboard the fire Bruce Allen trade. He's not the one that uh, that worked his contract out, though. So we're going to give credit to the Redskins front office. This was a big move. So the Redskins still have a little bit of money to spend and play with roughly nine-ish million dollars that they could play with here in free agency. And they might uh, get a little bit more with some of the, the money off the books with the Zach Brown cut and with the Stacey McGee cut. So the Redskins are actually in kind of a, a good spot right now money-wise. But the signing itself of Landon Collins is fantastic. I am a little bummed out that we cut DJ Swearinger because those two playing together would have been awesome. And there was, I mean, you could say maybe two to three guys last year in the NFC at the safety spot who played better than DJ Swearinger throughout the entire course of the year. Swearinger started out super hot. He kind of tailed off a little bit at the end and then all Madison suit and he was randomly cut on like a Monday or a Tuesday. Um, but there's two, there's two or three guys that played better than him throughout the course of the year. One of those guys was Landon Collins. So now the Redskins have brought him on. I see all this talk on Twitter about Landon Collins being a box safety. Bro, I don't care what kind of safety he is. That's the safety we need. Box safety, cover safety, I don't care. Put any type of label you want on Landon Collins. That's the safety the Redskins need. That's a real football player right there. That's a dude that loves contact, and he's entering the prime of his career. That's a guy that the Redskins need. There's no way that you, there's no angle that I could uh, fathom someone taking on this trade other than, wow, that's a whole lot of money. The cap's going to jump up anyway in the next couple of years. So there's no angle that I can see anyone take and say, wow, this is a terrible move for the Redskins. It's not. It's not at all. And the national media will come at this saying, well, this is just Dan Snyder digging in his pocket once again. And to be fair, it is Dan Snyder digging in his pocket once again. But it feels like the national media just kind of didn't really pay attention to the last three to four years of the Redskins offseason. There was no big moves then. So it's fun to make fun of Dan Snyder for being a guy that's going to pay a lot of money for someone that played really well for another team. But the past couple of years, that hadn't really been an issue. Unless we're going to be like, wow, Terrell Pryor should have gotten $8 million. But at the time, that was a hell of a deal, a one-year deal for $8 million that Terrell Pryor didn't live up to. I mean, the Paul Richardson contract is a lot, but this, this is a good contract. This is a good move from Dan Snyder. This may be one of his best moves, in fact. It's much better than the Albert Hainsworth move. It's much better than some of the quarterback moves he's made in the past. This is a good move for the Redskins, and it fills a hole that they needed to be filled. Their corners are good. Josh Norman is getting a hefty paycheck, and he might be someone that could be moved sometime in the future. But he is good on one side, and the evolution of Quentin Dunbar has been fantastic, and he is good on the other side. And now we have Landon Collins in the middle who can play the run in the pass. Not just a box safety. Mark Tyler did a great article on this on hogshaven.com. If you haven't checked that out, I would highly encourage you to go check that out and just see some of the film breakdown that Mark used to, to showcase why Landon Collins is a very, very good signing for the Redskins. One of the best that they probably could have come up with. That's a good move. I'm, I'm all aboard this Landon Collins thing. Um, he had even said when he was coming out of Alabama that his dream team was the Redskins because of his love affair for Sean Taylor. That's why he wore the number 21 in New York. Not a whole lot of people have a dream team of the Redskins. It just seems like not a whole lot of people want to play in Washington. And part of that is because his organization has been dysfunctional for basically two decades. We're just not going to beat around the bush here. They've been dysfunctional for about two decades. 
But a guy that come that wants to play here, you got to take advantage of that. The question now is what number is Landon Collins going to wear? I don't think 21 is officially retired by the Redskins. I don't think we've officially made that retired, but it's kind of like unspoken retired. No one's really used it. I know Sua Cravens chose 36 a couple years ago because that was the first number Sean Taylor wore. Maybe Landon Collins goes that direction. He did post a, I believe he posted this picture on Instagram of himself in a number 27 uniform. So maybe he goes, you know, a little throwback, old school Walt Harris number over there with 27. Uh, so that'll, that'll be interesting. But it's a reunite, reunition, uh, reunion. It's a reunion. Wow, that was a hard word to say. There was a reunion uh, of Alabama defenders. We got Deron Payne, John Allen, Ryan Anderson, and now Landon Collins all on the defensive side of the, bo- side of the ball. Uh, are we going to call Nick Saban when Jay Gruden's time here is done? I don't know. Not completely against it, but not all for it either. He didn't have the greatest track record of the, the first go around. But this, this is overall just a great move. And in about a 24-hour span for the Redskins, they signed Landon Collins. And we'll say probably like, and eh, if we want to be technical, maybe 28 hours after the Giants lose Odell Beckham Jr., that's a pretty good 24 hours. You take the Giants' best defensive leader. They lose arguably their best offensive player, although Saquon Barkley is still in that uh, locker room as well. But they lose Odell Beckham Jr., so you don't have to see him twice a year. A guy that had historically dominated the Redskins every time he played us, he's gone. I mean, Deshaun Jackson comes back to Philadelphia, and I liked Deshaun Jackson when he was here. But we got to be honest here about this Deshaun Jackson thing. We shouldn't be scared of him anymore. He's 32 years old. He hasn't had an 1,000-yard season since he was with us. Part of that is because Jameis Winston's a little bit of a train wreck, and the Tampa Bay offense was a train wreck. But he hasn't had an 1,000-yard season in his two years away from us, and he hasn't played a full 16 games in 2013. And even when he does, this was even part of the issue when he was with us, why the Redskins probably didn't want to pay him a whole lot of money, certainly not the money that he wanted. He has like three routes. Deshaun Jackson is 32 years old, one of the best deep ball receivers that has ever played the game with his ability to track the ball in the air, but he has three routes. He has a bubble screen, he has a deep in, and he has just run fast down the field. So I'm not exactly shaking in my boots that Deshaun Jackson is going back to Philadelphia. I'm much more ecstatic that Odo Beckham Jr. is no longer with the Giants. That is such a luxury to have because, Lord have mercy, he was annoying. I mean, the kicking net did get the upper hand one day, and that meme will never die. That gif, that gif, whatever, however you want to pronounce it, that will never die. But he was annoying to play twice a year, so he is gone. That's a pretty good 24 hours for the Redskins, 24-ish hours. I'll take that. So some of the some of the gains that the Redskins have had, Landon Collins is really the only guy that they've signed in free agency. They did make the case Keenum move as well. Some of the losses, some of these losses are bigger than others, uh, I think the biggest loss so far is the Ty Inseki move to the Bills. I was a big fan of Ty Inseki. My whole family really liked Ty Inseki just because he was so versatile on the offensive line. And the Redskins kind of weird revolving door of guys to come in and play positions on the offensive line. Uh, during that time, Ty Inseki came in clutch basically the entire time. He could play almost every single position on the offensive line. So losing him definitely hurts a little bit, but good for him to go 
go to a place where he's probably going to end up starting and get a little bit of money. Preston Smith signs a four-year, $52 million deal with the Packers. So he is going to now be a, an edge rusher. And finally, Aaron Rodgers is going to have some defense. Ha ha. Uh, Jameson Crowder gets three years, nearly $30 million from the Jets. The Jets are spending big, like big, big. They spend huge on Jameson Crowder. They spent pretty big on Le'Veon Bell, though they got a deal out of that. And then they they knocked it out of the park with the C.J. Mosley contract. I really wanted the Redskins to get C.J. Mosley. There was a brief point in time where I thought maybe, just maybe, the Redskins could land Landon Collins, clear up the cap room with some of the cuts or the trades with Zach Brown, the possibility of moving Mason Foster, and then get C.J. Mosley. Ooh, I had that thought for probably like a good hour and a half to two hours, and then I saw... The, uh, the C.J. Mosley contract. And I was like, you know what? That makes sense. You know, the Redskins, yeah, we were never really in that. I did, I, yeah. Huh. That's big money. That That's big, big money. And then as I mentioned at the, the start of the podcast, the Redskins released Stacey McGee and Zach Brown. As of this point in time recording, still no official word yet on Mason Foster. He could be next to go, although I do like Mason Foster. I know a lot of the fan bases kind of turned on him a little bit because of that weird text Instagram thing that happened last year. I still think he's a great football player. I'm a little upset that we got rid of Zach Brown. For whatever reason, I don't understand why Zach Brown didn't play as much last year as he did the year prior. He said it was the organization's decision. I don't understand why they made that decision. If that is the truth, because in 2017, he was awesome. He was easily the Redskins best defender. He was fast. He was versatile. He was in the backfield all of the time, causing havoc in the run game when he was coming in on blitzes. So I don't really know what went wrong last season to the point where he is now no longer on the team. Maybe they really liked Josh Harvey Clemens. And I did like Josh Harvey Clemens. But I would still have probably kept Zach Brown, especially with no real person to fill in next. I mean, him and Mason Foster seem to play really well together. Um, so I liked that little tandem. Nonetheless, that is not the decision that the organization went with. So Zach Brown is no longer on the Redskins. And unfortunately, they don't really get anything for him. Maybe a little bit of cap space, a little bit of spending money, but no assets in return. I know they tried to make a trade or at least were thinking about making a trade. I know Stacey McGee was definitely on the trade block, but surprise, surprise, no one really uh, went after him with some of the depth that they have at the free agency uh, in that general defensive line. Uh, market, so that's not really a huge surprise, but Zach Brown no longer with the team. So the holes that the Redskins still need to fill moving forward, there's really three that stick out. The first one is an edge rusher with the loss of Preston Smith, which was implied. I mean, I think everyone knew that Preston Smith was eventually going to move on at the end of this season. He's had a couple good years in Washington, but certainly not to the extent that we would give him a four-year, $52 million contract. That just wasn't in the works at all. So the Redskins need an edge rusher. So far, if the season were to start today, starting opposite Ryan Kerrigan would probably be Ryan Anderson. Uh, there's a couple guys they could go after for very cheap in free agency. I don't know if they want to swing and make this move. Uh, Coney Ely is still available. He was at one point a pretty high draft pick. He's had a little bit of issues, didn't play a whole lot last year. So that that could be an option if the Redskins want to go cheap for kind of a low risk, high reward move if he finally lives up to that potential. That is probably unlikely to happen. Maybe give a call to Junior Gallette. Uh, as based on his Twitter account, he is still very much pro Redskins. 
So maybe give him a call, say, hey, Junior, you want to you wanna try this out one more time, maybe? I don't think he would say no. It doesn't seem like his phone is getting blown up with any other calls. So maybe add him. But they need to make some sort of move in the, in the edge rusher spot. It could be made in the draft. Now that we did make the Keenum trade, unlikely that will take a quarterback at 15. So we could get an edge rusher there. Still an open spot at the guard position. Uh, there, there's one real hole on the offensive line. It is the, the, the left guard where Sean Laval plays. Uh, Sean Laval went playing is very very good but he doesn't play a lot because he always gets hurt so we should probably either just find a way to wrap every single part of his body in bubble wrap i'm talking bones tendons fingers whatever can get hurt wrap that in bubble wrap and try and not do that but because scientifically you cannot wrap a tendon in bubble wrap we should probably just try and fill that hole with someone else Maybe a one-year kind of prove-it deal to TJ Lang. Uh, he, it looks like he's going to be gone from Detroit. They kind of filled his role and signed someone else to replace him. So maybe kind of a one-year prove-it deal with TJ Lang that could be kind of cheap and put him in there. But again, this is probably a spot that they're going to look to to build through the draft. The Redskins have had a pretty decent history, I would say, in the past few years of, of finding at least one good offensive lineman in the draft that can stick around for a few years. Now, I'm not saying they're going to find Brandon Sheriff in like the fourth round and just stick another one of him at left guard. That seems like it'd be a bit of a reach, but they have had the ability to find a couple really good uh, guys to fill in uh, on that offensive line in the past. And then third and, and, and final here is the wide receiver, a very, very low, uh, low, bad, not great wide receiver class this year. The fact that Jameson Crowder got nearly $10 million a year is mind-boggling. I certainly wouldn't have paid that much for him. I was hoping that maybe, just maybe, the Redskins could get a home down, hometown discount with him for like $7 million. That didn't really happen. So that that is a that's a build through the draft spot. The only issue with that is the Redskins wide receiver drafting history is pretty terrible. It's pretty awful. If you can name a good wide receiver that the Redskins have drafted, please let me know because it's been pretty awful throughout the past few years. So I'm uh, very skeptical about that one. I would really prefer that they not use that in the first round again, like they did with Josh Doxson. It just didn't work that time. I don't think we need to revisit that well again. Maybe they will, though. I don't. Like we said, every time this organization makes a good move from the front office perspective, they generally follow it up with a silly move. So maybe a wide receiver in the first round, spending the 15th pick on someone like DK Metcalf, who we talked about last week, uh, last week or the week prior, who doesn't have great lateral quickness in a small route tree, maybe not the best idea. So that's something I think we'll build in the draft as well. We still do have a little bit of room to play with uh, free agency-wise and cap room, so there could be a couple more moves um, in the near future for the Redskins. Hopefully, uh, they'll wait at least a day or two so the information this podcast will still be relevant. Uh, fingers crossed on that one. So we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to discuss the Case Keenum move and what the future could be like for the Redskins at the quarterback position. We'll be back. So last week, we talked about the possibility of the Redskins acquiring Josh Rosen less than 24 hours, maybe a little bit after. Actually, we'll say 48 hours. After that podcast went live, the Redskins made a move for Case Keenum instead. So, yay, that podcast became irrelevant very, very quickly. The Redskins trade a sixth-round pick and in return. They get half of Case Keenum's contract, basically. They get Keenum uh, $3.5 million that they're going to pay him this year and a seventh-round draft pick. So, really not a bad move. But I think one thing needs to be made clear if it hasn't been made clear enough already. Case Keenum is not the future of the quarterback position in Washington. This is kind of like a let's plug the hole a little bit before we get Alex Smith back. Like 
This isn't get new tires on the car. This is go to the go to the repair shop and have them plug the hole and just hope you don't get a flat on the highway in the left lane. That's all this really is right here. The three and a half million dollars that the Redskins are going to pay him is a good move. It's better than whatever his contract would have been because he did get he did get kind of a nice contract after that Minnesota year. So there's a couple pros and cons to the entire Case Keenum thing. The first one would be that Minnesota year. He played very, very well. He got to the NFC Championship. And there is something to be said about that. But we can't mention the fact that he got to the NFC Championship without mentioning the fact that he got killed in the NFC Championship. 38-7 to the final score in that one. The miracle that Stefan Diggs' miraculous catch, that was a whole lot of fun in the playoffs. But the whole year in Minnesota, Keenum did kind of enough to get by, and that defense was unreal. Minnesota's best offense was the fact that their defense limited the opposing team to roughly around 18 points a game. Something around that 15 to 18 points a game was the average points per game scored against Minnesota. It's pretty easy to go out there and score 19 points and win a football game. In today's NFL, two years since then, you got to come out and score probably 25, 28 points a game to consistently win in the NFL just with the the moves and the new offenses that these teams are running, it's a much higher scoring game now than it was two years ago. So that has to be taken into consideration. Keenum had one good year. And that year he got paid for it in Denver. And then he went to Denver with, again, a good defense, certainly not as good as Minnesota the previous year, but a good defense in Denver and went 6-10. and 10. Because Denver asked him to do a little bit more. There were throws that he couldn't make. The Denver Broncos should have beat Kansas City early in the season on Monday Night Football and ended that undefeated streak quick against Patrick Mahomes. And they did not. Why? Because Case Keenum missed a wide-open touchdown throw to Demarius Thomas in the corner late in the fourth quarter. That probably would have sealed the deal there. There was very little time left, and Kansas City probably wouldn't have been able to score again. But he missed the throw. And it was, I mean, it was wide open. You got to put that ball in like a five-foot radius of Demarius Thomas. He catches that, and it's a touchdown. Game over. So I do have a little bit of questions on some of the throws that Case Keenum can make in the Jay Gruden offense, an offense that he's probably not too familiar with at this particular point in time. So the benefit is now we do have Colt McCoy there, again, to back him up, although it seems like no one in the organization, maybe other than Jay Gruden, wants Colt McCoy to play quarterback for the Redskins this year. And it is important to remember that Colt McCoy is recovering from an injury. He had not the same injury that Alex Smith had, but one that was very similar, which I didn't really like. You know, another, another broken leg on a quarterback. That is going to take a little bit of time to recover from. You know, you don't just come back from a broken leg uh, in a few months. That That's going to take a little bit of time. So hopefully by training camp, he'll be ready to get some, some good reps with a little bit of contact. But Colt obviously knows the offense much better than Case Keenum. I mean, hell, he knew it a lot better than Alex Smith did. The Redskins were in a great spot last year with Alex Smith to make the playoffs. But it's important to remember that Alex Smith didn't stretch the field at all. He didn't have a great knowledge of the offense. Colt McCoy had a better knowledge of the offense, but he also turned the ball over a little bit more. 
there's pros and cons to all of the options the Redskins have, although, quite frankly, Alex Smith still isn't even really an option. I think it's just important for people to remember that despite the fact that they won with him, Alex Smith didn't show a mastery uh, of the Jay Gruden offense because he didn't know it. He was still getting used to it. Case Keenum is probably going to have that same thing, but maybe a little bit worse. I've seen nothing over Case Keenum's career to make me think he could definitely master a decently complicated offense faster than Alex Smith. So because of that, I think that the Keenum move doesn't automatically make him the starting quarterback. I think it opens up competition for him and Colt McCoy. Now, Keenum just has a little bit of an edge because McCoy is is recovering from that injury. Keenum on his career is 26 and 28 as a starter. 11 of those wins came in one year with Minnesota. So, I mean, just just that Minnesota year has gotten Keenum a lot of work. Okay, he got a paid in Denver. It's probably the reason that he, he came here. So, I'd like the move from a financial standpoint. I don't think Keenum is the answer. I mean, he could, he could play lights out. I still don't really think he is the answer. I don't want the Redskins to end up paying him twenty plus million dollars at the end of this year. That's just not going to happen. So it's it's kind of it's like I said, it's plugging the hole on the tire instead of getting new tires and just hoping that eventually Alex Smith is going to come back and play football again, and he's going to come back and play football again with a better a better knowledge of the Jay Gruden offense. Fingers crossed on that one. I mean, really, fingers crossed. On that one, I still probably would have liked to have Josh Rosen just because we would have had years on him to kind of build around. But I mean, hey, you got to do what you got to do. The Redskins are building their defense, which Case Keenum has had more success with that than doing more on offense. So that's going to kind of wrap it up for today. Let me know some of your thoughts on the moves, specifically the Landon Collins move, specifically the Case Keenum move. And if you have any other direction that you think the Redskins should go in free agency, let me know in the comments down here on hogshaven.com or let me know on Twitter at den underscore day. You can follow me there and I'll see you all next week.